my career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40 plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell it like it is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. Here we are. It is the first of February. Where the hell did January go? I know it's flying by. I'm, well, do I want to feel sorry for you or. I don't know. Maybe have a little sympathy that you screwed around all January and here you are. Or maybe I need to give you the big E. I'm not going to tell you what the big E is, but today we're going to go explore the big E because no matter where you are in life, sometimes the big E is what really helps you get through things. And the guest that I'm bringing on, he and I have been chatting for like 20 minutes already. I'm like, we need to start recording this thing. But um We've been having a really good chat about life and life stuff and all this good stuff because sometimes the big E will help us really get through what we need to get through using the big E one conversation at a time. So instead of keeping them all in mystery, Rob, don't you think we should probably like say, hey, here's Rob Volpe and let you tell them what this big E is? Big E is? Absolutely. It could be a lot of things. I forgot this is a gay podcast. (laughs) Who knows know, what people are thinking? Going, like. Oh, those days in the club with E, yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> but but in, we're so polarized right now in our world, and the big E could help. So it it absolutely can, Rick. Thank you for having me on. Um, and yeah, that that big E is empathy, a word so many people are afraid of, don't understand, but is so critical to every aspect in our life. Why do you think people are afraid of it? Um, because I, of the, I agree. I agree. Yeah. 100%, well, but. Why is that? Um, because I, I think partly, partly because it's misunderstood. And I think a, a part of that misunderstanding is that other E word emotion. Mm-hmm. And they, they think that, Oh, being empathetic is all about emotion. And that I'm going to be seen as weak. If I'm empathetic to other people, you know, because because they take it to this sort of extreme it's not ex- another e-word um not fully extreme but it is the place of compassion one of the areas that empathy can help fuel is getting to a place of compassion showing that you care about somebody those are are things that are polarizing in our society um unfortunately and so empathy helps you with these things but people are afraid oh i'm, I'm going to be seen as weak um there's some data from um a business solver does the state of workplace empathy study every year and some of the data from this year's study i loved was that 68 percent of ceos recognize that it's their job to build an empathetic culture in their organization yet 78 percent are un don't have the confidence in their own skills to be empathetic. And 76% are afraid that they are going to be seen as weak if they express empathy, if they display empathy, they'll lose respect. Mm -hmm. That says it all. And it's not, I don't think just about being at the sea level, it's anywhere up and down in an organization. Um, Well, because it flows both ways. Exactly. You know, and I know, throughout my time in corporate 
it's always been, and this is before we actually started to talk about emotions and stuff in the workplace, right? But to even show any kind of quote emotion or empathy, especially as a male, let's go there first, yeah. as a male in, in the workspace or as a male in your personal life, Man, you were you were like so many of us gay guys heard, oh, you're a weakling, you're you're a wimp, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And what we're now uncovering due to some evolvement, so to speak, is that when you can be vulnerable and when you can show empathy and when you can let your emotions show, it actually makes things really work well. Doesn't mean you have to agree with people, but it sure brings you closer together. Or at least a, a able to empathize. So let's just go there again. You you hit one of the other things that people always misunderstand about empathy. It isn't about giving up your own point of view. It just means that you understand where somebody else is coming mm -hmm. from. But a lot of people get that confused. They think, oh, if I'm being empathetic, that means that I'm sacrificing my own belief system, my values, whatever it is. And it's like, no, that's not the case. It's making room in your head that, hey, there are other ways to view the world to exist. And we have to be okay with that. And in fact, we should try to be curious about it and try to understand because then through that, that's how we're going to be able to compromise and we're going to be able to communicate and to persuade and to forgive and build trust. All the amazing things that empathy actually lets us do. If we allow it to show up. Exactly. But you got to have the courage to open that door up and, and, and try. One of the things I love about your book, and it actually like shows up right on the cover is one of the greatest ways to start an empathetic conversation. Tell me more about that. It's such a beautiful entry point. And it's something that I learned actually in improv class. It's kind of like doing improv. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And okay. It's like that sort of stuff. But when we suddenly can't even tune into, Oh no, you're wrong. But we ask the question, okay, so tell me more about that. I'm not saying I agree with you, but tell me more about why you see the world that way. I want to understand. I want to be curious. Now, I'm saying this, and I'm not by any stretch of the imagination saying I am perfect at this. Listeners, you know that. I'm pretty damn imperfect. But I do find it interesting when I give myself permission to be that vulnerable and go, okay, so tell me why that is your perspective or help me understand you in that position. I'm fighting it every step of the way, but I also know too, Robin, maybe this is part of where you can kind of like give us more insight on this. I know that when I allow myself that breath, a curious breath of a question, mm -hmm. guess what happens? My energy, my fight, my you're wrong, motherfucker. <laughs> it comes down. Yeah. It starts to diminish because guess what I did? I took a breath. Yeah, I love that you used that term curious breath. And I'm gonna remember that and steal use it. it. And I thank you. Thank you. I, I will I, I do give credit where credit's due. I will mention you. Um, but yeah, it is that pause. I mean, 
in my book, I write about the five steps to empathy. And those are the things that you've got to actually practice and strengthen in order to get to a place of empathy. But before you can even get there, you've got to have what you were just demonstrating self-awareness that, Hey, maybe I'm not being empathetic or that I'm being judgmental and my judgment is, is getting in my way. Um, You've got to have the courage to actually want to change and and Mm -hmm. make the change. You've got to have patience to practice the five steps and and continue to do that. And you have to have grace. As you said, you're not perfect. I like, I think I start out the book, like I'm not perfect either. I'm human. I make mistakes. Judgment gets in my way a lot of the time and that's okay. What's important is that we're trying and we need to have the grace to forgive ourselves and allow ourselves to be imperfect. um, As long as we're maintaining that courage to continue to try. But the courage piece is huge. Oh, because it's scary it. to go put yourself out there and go, okay, you know what? Even though I I intuitively know within my being that I don't think we're on the same page, but I sure want to try to see if we can somehow make this work. Because the human mind's gonna go, Yeah, but you're gonna you're gonna get burned, buddy. You're gonna get burned. So why are you gonna do this? Just hold your ground, you know? And it's it's, it can be exhausting um, yes. to have to do that. But at the same time, as you were saying that, I'm like, yeah, but like, hi, you came out as a gay man. Like you had the courage to live your truth and to, to mm-hmm. speak your truth. If right. you can do that, yes. having the courage to dismantle your judgment and ask somebody else how they're thinking or feeling, that's mm-hmm. like a walk in the park. That's easy. But Rob, don't you think, and because this is, you know, this is for our LGBTQ audience, even though a lot of people that aren't LGBTQ do actually listen to this. I think oftentimes in our own community, we forget to leverage one of the most difficult things we've ever done, which is coming out, which is saying I'm gay, bi, trans, any of those things. And guess what we wanted most from people? It wasn't sympathy. It was was empathy. empathy. That's what we wanted. You don't have to agree with me. That's okay. I just want you to be empathetic to understand I'm still a human. I still am just like you. I breathe. I pee. I have blood. I have thoughts. I have emotions. All this sort of stuff. I just need you to have empathy. Go go be your weird little right wing whatever. That's fine. I have empathy that you have the right to go be that, even though I don't agree with it. You have that right to do your thing and go be you. Just don't hurt somebody while you're doing it. Right. Right. Well, and, and, you know, okay. So there's this natural inclination that we have that I think we're hardwired with to gather in our tribes and in our Mm -hmm. little cliques. And as part of that, it is about othering people that are outside and not like you. I think what's different if you take it into the sort of political realm, typically gross generalization, but you know, typically somebody that's more on the right is a lot more homogenous, um, typically heterosexual, typically white, you know, male or female, but they are, there's a lot more homogeneity there than when you look at the left, which is, you know, they always talk about the inclusive tent and so many people are, are inside of that. And so we're all constantly bumping into each other and into ourselves. And I think, I don't have data to back this up, but I think we are just as judgmental, um, you know, bitchy queens that we can Mm -hmm. be 
we are as judgmental as the people that we paint being so judgmental on the other side. And I have actually been surprised in opportunities I've had to talk with people that are on the right, how open they are to, to listening and how curious they are. And I wouldn't have known that if I didn't have the courage to to give them a chance and give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe they're just coming from a place of ignorance, but they are curious to understand. Mm-hmm. And as I always say, if if somebody asks the question, it doesn't matter how the question is framed. It's important that they're stepping into it and asking the question because they want to know. Um, so I'll, I'll let you kind of ask me a follow-up question. I could go down well, the path there. Well, there's a, there's something in that where if you don't step forward, you're creating the wall. Yeah. If you're not taking the risk and I'm not saying, okay, I'm not saying every listener needs to go out tonight and like, okay, I'm going to start to ask questions. Maybe some of you will, you know, whoever listens to this, maybe they'll be inspired. Hopefully you'll be inspired to think differently. But I remember one of the very first times, and I'm going to go back to my coming out. I came out late in life. Lots of tension, obviously, with my ex-wife and my family and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, fuck you, you're going to accept me. This is how it's going to be. This is what, you know, and there was like, no, it was black and white in my mind. And then one time I was into it with my dad and I said, okay, I hear what you're saying. I want you to know that. So help me understand how me being gay is going to change your life and make it unbearable and i said it just in that tone i'm like there was no anger there was none of this and it was the first time that my dad was speechless Mm. because i knew i'd asked the question that he was gonna have to think about yeah yeah because how is me being gay making your life unbearable it's like I'm putting this in you. You are acting as if suddenly me being your gay son is ruining your life completely. Now I could have gone really like, how is it ruining your life? You know, I didn't know. I wanted to use a word that's like, how is this making it unbearable for you to live? Right. Well, and and you you eliminated. You didn't put him on the defensive. The way that you no. phrased the question, you didn't. Um, I, I often talk about. Um, the word why. And that's what we are all seeking to understand, but it puts all of us on the defensive because from the time we were a kid, we were asked why, why did you do this? Why, you know, all the things that get you in trouble and the way that you position that to your dad, it sounds like you got him to think beyond, like, I think that initial reaction people are having is based off of all the stereotypes um, mm-hmm. that they've got and the programming that they have for society. But you challenged your dad in a safe way, it sounds like, to think about that. Like, what difference does it make? How is this going to affect your day-to-day life? Right. Which has nothing to do with society's more well, whatever, all the crap. And it's right. just like, how's <laughs> you're going to wake up you're going to put your pants on. You're going to have a coffee, whatever, go to your work, do your thing. What difference does this make? And right. it, it got him to think about it and realize, oh yeah, it's not true. And it took it away from the fire and brimstone. Right. You know, I don't know if he was religious or wherever yeah, his yeah, programming yeah. came from um, and think about it in, in kind of human terms and how it really, what it means for him. But I think is- that's the thing that people miss is we're emotional beings. So that's, let's just 
That's number one. We're emotional beings. Everything we do stems from some emotion. Some situation creates an emotion that then we either respond or react to, right? But what I learned in that first time was, hey, I'm slowing down. Didn't do it 100% perfect from then on. But wow, it's like, whoa. And then I was actually in a work environment that was a startup. It was growing. It was crazy. It was like, wow, I know we're going to make it. You know, this was back in the early early 2000s when startups were like like popcorn everywhere right right right, right. <clears throat> and i had a guy on the team whose personality was very much like my dad's it had nothing to do with my sexuality but he was going to he was going to tell everybody else how to march in time right mm-hmm. and i happened to be the director of sales and marketing and he reported to me and he was going off one time in a team meeting and i said okay guess what pat i heard you Let me ask you this one question. If we were to implement what you just suggested and we did it just purely based on your suggestion, what do you think is going to get fixed? Simple question. Yeah. And again, suddenly there's this quiet, like, oh, well, I just needed to say what I needed to say. I said, so he didn't really come up with anything. I said, so I'm going to let you think on that. Think on it, come back later. But here's the thing I'm learning as I'm going through helping this company grow and everything that every suggestion is something that needs to be listened to. But every suggestion isn't something that's going to be implemented or acted upon based on what we think is in the best interest of the organization. Right. So I need you to hear me, Pat, that we're going to hear everybody. We're going to hear everything. But that doesn't mean everybody's going to get what they need. And suddenly he didn't know how to like be in the moment because he was so used to like, I bully my way around. I know in the book you talk about like whether this is bullying on a playground or in the work environment or in relationships, it's coming to that empathetic space of let's try this in a different way. Let's first bring the temp, let's bring the emotion down, number one. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like dealing with narcissists. I mean, honestly, it's really what it is, you know? But um, yeah, you're, you're turning it around. You're, you're what you did in that moment. You expressed some empathy with him. You saw his point of view and you kind of restated it or said, I hear you, you've got a concern. And then you asked a legit question. What is it that, what's the change that you want to bring about? Right. And then by just that indication of, you know, we're going to hear everything we can't do all of them, you're asking for empathy mm-hmm. from him. See it from the company's point of view. You know, we're a small startup. Things are, you know, don't know if we're going to be here one day to the next. Um, that means that we can't just do everything and we can't just follow one person's whims. And I need you to understand that. But gentlemen, if you come back to me with a reason and, you know, make your case, then yeah, we'll of course consider it. So yeah, but so you're 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 doing empathy in both ways, and coming out is the same thing. Like, we desperately want empathy from the people that we're coming out to to understand like who we really are and and what right. our life is about. At the same time, we have to have empathy for the people that we're coming out to because we're asking them in some cases to make that fundamental shift and right how they understand or see us and and who they thought we were versus who we really are. And I, you know, is it, I've always 
commented to people like it's not fair to come out to somebody and it, it just demand that they're going to accept you immediately they've got to take some time and you have to give them that space right. um so that they can come around and be your ally it's reminding me of a time i was sitting this is around the time i you know i was beyond my initial coming out <clears throat> So again, it was probably early, early 2000s, 2003, 2004, somewhere in that range, maybe even a little bit later, because I you know I was already unemployed. So I was unemployed a lot back then. Startups, you know, startups. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, hey, I'm building my business, which I was. I started to build a consulting practice and I had some time on my hands. So I volunteered to be a speaker for the PFLAG Speakers Bureau in Orange County. Awesome which meant I was also getting much more involved with PFLAG in general. And one of the first times that empathy really like showed up to me in that like bigger group environment, cause you know, PFLAG, it's lots of people coming together. Like my kid just came out or my house is in, you know, I'm trying to navigate through this. I was sitting next to one of the other speakers who I was barely getting to know this was where I was even on the speakers bureau, but um, she said, well, I hear all of everything everybody's saying. She was a mom of a child who'd come out. She goes, I really respect all of you who are taking this brave journey to be who you truly are. What I would invite you to remember is the people who are hearing you for the first time in that way, they're also coming out mm -hmm. and they're on a coming out journey now too, that they weren't expecting. And it was such a beautiful way of laying the foundation of empathy to like, yeah. You're not asking for like sympathy, like, oh my God, my kid's gay. That That's a whole different, <laughs> that's a whole different, like, let's have that conversation on some other platform, so to speak. Yeah, but right. that empathetic way of helping them see it made it suddenly very relatable. Because now what she did in that moment was like, guess what? I get it. Coming out's a big thing. But guess what? Everybody who's in your world is actually coming out or they're going into their own closet simultaneously. And when she's like going in their own closet simultaneously, that was a real moment that I'm like, this gal really knows how to like put this together for people. And it was, again, I had that, uh, and this was before I was a coach. I was like starting to lean into that. And my, the, one of the first thoughts I had was that's a really empathetic way of looking at this. And I don't it know is. that people lean into those things enough. Because it happens in all of our world every day. Yeah. Every no, step and, of the and way. It, it, 100% it kind of mirrors some of my coming out story from 30 years ago when I came out to my folks in particular, which was the, I guess, you know, the, you're coming out constantly, but that was the big one um, for me. And I sent, I was living in LA. They were uh, where they still are in Virginia, outside of DC. And I realized they were going to be visiting me in LA for Thanksgiving. I was seeing somebody at that point wanted to come out to them. I didn't want to, you know, quote unquote, straighten up my life, right. As we used to say. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to tell them and I'm going to do it like Labor Day weekend. Um, but over the phone, I wasn't going to get on a plane because they'd know something was up. If I just suddenly was like, Hey, I'm showing up for no good reason. Right. Um, 
and I sent, I, I realized that they needed some education and that they didn't have a lot of understanding. This is the early nineties. We had lived for, you know, 20 years in small towns in Indiana. So they didn't have a lot of exposure to gays and lesbians. And, you know, it was the early nineties. AIDS was a big thing um, and a big concern. And PFLAG, actually a couple of, I don't know if it was the founders or a couple of the people involved in the organization, there were a few books that they had written um, about, you know, answers to commonly asked questions, or now that you know, I remember was the title of one book. And I bought a set of books um, for my parents and shipped it off to them, which kind of locked me into, I'm going to have to tell them because they're getting that FedEx shipment on Saturday. So I'm telling them on Friday, but I bought a set of books for myself. And the whole idea was that, I knew that they didn't know much and they were going to need to get educated. And my, the way my parents operate, they are knowledge hounds and want to learn more and more and more, but it's having that empathy with them. It is that understanding. Mm -hmm. And you use that same thing in every interaction in your life. You can apply that. It doesn't have to be as emotionally challenging or, or tense as coming out. It's, you know, any business interaction that you have, have empathy with the other person. If you're about to you know, deliver any sort of news, put yourself in mm -hmm. their shoes. How would they want to hear it? How would you then serve it up to make it, um, you know, as, as palatable or as exciting, you know, if it's, a, if it's good news, even how can you do that in a way that they're going to receive it so that they can um, accept it and, and embody whatever the information mm -hmm. is digested, internalize it. Um, and, and coming out is exactly part of that, but I don't want the audience to lose sight of the fact that those same things that you applied in that, those big moments, you apply in your little everyday moments as well. And it will serve you really well in your, your work life and in your personal life. And in your relationships with anybody. That's oh, the absolutely. thing that I found that's so powerful is the moment I give myself permission. And again, I work at this a lot. It's a, it's a. As you said, it's a practice. It's like if you don't practice on a daily basis, and today's a good day. I we had some challenges throughout the day with my full-time, you know, coaching practice. And I was like, okay, first I have to breathe, you know, that curious breath, like, okay. And then really think through, okay, this is about reading the room too, to to a lot of the degree. Like, where do I meet this person in their empathy needs? Like if I can mirror what they need, which is a coaching practice, obviously, if I can mirror how, where they are and what they're doing, then this is going to make it a lot easier. But I never get anywhere when I meet somebody like, this is the way it is. Now, sometimes you have to do this the way it is. I mean, if you can't show up for work on time, there's going to be a consequence. But even in there, there's an empathy thing that builds up to that. It's like, Okay, well, can help me understand why it seems yeah. to be a challenge for you to make it on time to work. What can yeah. we do? Do we need to shift your hours? Do we need, you know, do you need help finding reliable transportation? What is the block? Because when you start getting curious, and it's interesting, Rob, because it's interesting you have the five steps, which is the actively listening and integrating and understanding and solution and imagination, all that sort of stuff. I know I didn't do the first two, but I'm trying to help the audience get a group. We'll get, we'll get there. <laughs> we will get there. Yes. Um, <clears throat> the first two steps in my own process for coaching is confusion and curiosity. Hmm. You can never come out of the closet if you stay in a constant state of confusion. 
And the only way you get beyond confusion is to start to get curious. curious. Yeah. And curiosity is one of the biggest pieces that I, I mean, I, I'm always saying that to clients. Well, you know, what should we explore around that? What do you need? What's the answer you're really looking for? Why is that important to you? If that doesn't happen, then what? Because it's these pieces of everything that build one upon the other to get you to that space. If I can't actively listen to someone, whether it's a podcast guest or whether it's somebody I'm working with as a coach or whether it's my own relationship with my husband, even though I just ignore him most of the time. Um, well, that's different. I mean, it's yeah, 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 that's a tough one, right? We just ignore. That's a whole nother empathy sort of thing. Um, but if we don't learn the practice of this, it isn't like flip the switch. We did it. it there, this isn't a one and done, folks. That's for yeah. sure. So. Absolutely. Absolutely not. It, you know, empathy, I, I have a slide from my talks on empathy. Um, and it just says empathy enables the skills that we need to be the people that we are or hope to become. Mm -hmm. um, you know, another misconception people have about empathy is like, okay, I'm empathetic. Yay. Yep. And it's like, no, actually empathy is just the start of the journey. You've got to reach empathy and then you can go down all these amazing paths once you have it into communication, collaboration, all of the things. And you do use it in every aspect of your life. And even though we were making fun of the you know relationship with our spouses, I mean, empathy is so critical there to understanding where they're coming from and how to offer whether you're offering comfort to them right. or, you know, yet we get into the dance with each other because we're around each other so much of the time. And, and so you have to step out of that to look at your partner and go, where are they coming from? What do they need right now? What's mm -hmm. their point of view? Just that alone is having empathy so that you can figure out what to say or to do um, to, to get through whatever the situation might be. Well, and it's interesting when you learn the, and it, I don't want anybody walking away like, oh, here's the key questions. There's so many ways to ask the questions. But when I actually um, can ask my husband a question like, okay, I, I feel there's some tension or stress. So what, what do you want right now? Or what do you, I don't like using the word need. Um because there's very few things we actually need, so to speak. True. But it's interesting, even in asking that question, again, how it brings the temp quote temperature down in that moment, you know? Yeah. So I don't want to blow everything about the book because I want people to go get your book, but I'm sure you can touch on the five steps pretty quickly and like give people some insight. I kind of touched on three of them briefly, but I'd love you to like, Here's Rob's five steps in like His, five minutes or less. So in five minutes or less and go. Um, yeah. Well, in the book, tell me more about that. Solving the empathy crisis, one conversation at a time. I wrote it because we were seeing um, this challenge in our society, people not connecting and losing that, that ability to have empathy with one another. And we had identified uh, my, my company, Ignite360, does consumer insights and marketing research. We talk to people for a living. We have to be empathetic and help our clients build empathy. And through all of that work that we've done, we started to recognize the things that were getting in people's way. And that's where we developed the five steps. 
the book itself takes the five steps and brings those to life through my own personal experiences um you know as a gay man growing up gay or not gay closeted gay in indiana um mm. and then into my professional adult life and all the experiences i've had going on in homes i get to go into strangers homes and find out how they think and feel and and that can challenge you significantly so within the context of the five steps I bring all of that to life using my own my own stories. And so the five steps, first one is dismantling judgment. And we are damn good at that in the LGBTQ community, um, the bitchy queen. Um, but it's the thing that gets in our way and it's being judgmental. It's casting aspersion at other people. It's all of that negative thought that we have, even towards ourselves. Right. Um, that gets in the way of anybody getting to a place of empathy. The second step is asking good questions. And we've talked a lot about that and the ways that you ask questions, whether you're just framing up um, uh, something you want to know more about, say, tell me more about whatever the topic might be, um, or taking the word why out of your vocabulary and reframing a question using who, what, where, when, and how, because why can make us feel defensive. So it's about asking good, open, exploratory questions. That example that you gave about uh, somebody being late to work, you want to ask, what's going on that's prompting you to be late, which is effectively mm -hmm. what you're asking that individual. And by doing that, they're not feeling as challenged or threatened. So they're going to open up and share more. And you may find out that maybe there's, um, you know, a childcare situation going on. Maybe they're having emotional issues. Maybe there's some health issue that's going on. Maybe they're just always late and that's part of who they are, but you're making a safe space for them to open up and share and tell you those things so that you can then work with them to resolve it or, or reach a new understanding. Um, third step is to actively listen. And that is actually being present in the moment, you know, not only listening to the words that are being said, but paying attention to the body language, the nonverbal cues, trusting your intuition. There's things, something, you know, there, there's that niggling voice in your head that's saying, so oh, there's something else that's going on right. here. I should ask about that. You want to pay attention to that. I have a great story in the book, uh, in a chapter called The Ghost in the Room, um, which was about me listening to my intuition and unpacking something with one of the respondents and, and was a really wonderful experience, but wouldn't have happened had I not paid attention to what was going on. The fourth step is integrating into understanding. And this is the, the, the safe, easy thing that I use in presentations and workshops. I have the audience ask, you know, and, and listeners can do this, ask somebody what their favorite flavor of ice cream is, and then you share yours. Chances are they're going to be different. And now the game is to actually figure out you're going to go to the ice cream shop and you've only got money for one scoop of ice cream. So using your curiosity, learn more about what it is that they like about those flavor, that flavor and share your own perspective and try to see if you can land on and compromise and land on what that one scoop of ice cream is going to be. It's a good exercise and has a tasty ending at the end. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, but more broadly, it's like, okay, integrating into your understanding that um, some people have different views on gun control or women's access to reproductive rights or gay rights. Instead of just 
rejecting all that out of hand, try to get curious about it and see if you can start to understand it and ask the questions. And it is hard. It is so difficult. A lot of our judgment is getting in the way. You know, I know um, I was at a dinner party recently and somebody started to make comments about the, the marriage bill had just passed. And someone started to make a comment negatively about the marriage bill and what that was going to do to the gay community. It was, and it was, it was very anti-gay and I felt my ire get up and I was about to turn and go, what? <laughs> um, and be judgmental and, and do all of that. And I had to stop myself and go, wait a minute. He has a right to his opinion. Let me get curious about that and try to understand. So take the curious breath as you uh, said and start to ask the question. And then finally, it's then using solution imagination. So as you're learning about somebody, as you're hearing these things, that's when you start to step into their shoes, you start to kind of turn it around and use that to further the conversation or fuel an action, something that's going to um, move the situation forward in a positive direction. So those are the, those are the five steps. Um, they are simple, but they are not easy. Well, they usually aren't. <clears throat> That's the key is they're not. I mean, and I love how each one opens the doorway and builds. And honestly, I think the first one is probably one of the more difficult ones, the dismantling judgment. Oh, absolutely. Because, and if you've ever done so, since you gave them like the ice cream <laughs> exercise, I'm going to give them one. It's like, think throughout your day. And if you can catch yourself through the day, and keep little hashtags on a piece of paper or something. How many times you consciously judge something? Yeah. And then multiply that by two or three. I always, I think it's closer to three. This is Rick's own little weird thing. He's kind of figured yeah. out. There is no scientific thing behind it, but multiply that by two or three. And that's probably how many times you've judged something throughout the day in reality. Absolutely. But I can catch myself judging something and go, okay, wait, bitch, <laughs> back it up, back it up. And, and other times I don't even think it. And it's like, it, and I, two hours later, I'm like, oh, wow. I really was hyper, hyper judgmental on that thing, you know? And, and then, you know, like two hours from now, I'm going to be going, I was really judging, you know, how Rob showed up for the bot. No, I'm kidding, of course, but you know, it happened. But it, it absolutely can happen. And think, you know, I, I find I catch myself in those more inconsequential moments. So I'm going to say something bitchy about a reality show contestant or a TV character that I don't like. And it's based on nothing but me being judgmental. Right. And it's actually easier for me to catch myself in those moments and go, wait a minute, where's that coming from? Why am I prompted to say it that way or, or express that? And then you, ha you have a choice, honestly. And there are times when it is the safety of me and my husband alone, where I might go ahead and say something judgy and he'll do the same thing. Right. But I'm making a conscious choice to do that. And I have to be responsible for the consequences of that. Um, and then there are times where I take the other path and I'm like, nope, I'm going to reframe that. I'm going to, you know, understand where that thought is coming from. Yep. There may be something to take in with my therapist and unpack. It may just be, uh, well, I've just never really liked that reality show character and I'm just in this habit. Let me find something positive to say about them instead. Let me find a positive thought. Right. Um, but it's in those less consequential moments 
but when we're constantly judging, when we're at the supermarket, when we're out at a restaurant or a bar or in like, if, if you happen to be on one of the dating apps, mm-hmm. like that is a hotbed of judgment. Mm-hmm. And you don't know who those people are, but right. you are just judging, 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 like yep. stop and ask yourself, what's that about? Where's that right. coming from? Yeah. And the you're going to, yeah, they are people and uh, yeah, dating apps, whether you're gay or straight, it's just, I hear it all the time. Like, Oh no, swipe, swipe, right. Swipe, right. You know, I'm like, well, no, I get it been there done that but i'm like wow it really shows the shallowness of who we can be as human beings and 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 it's okay not to find someone attractive you don't have to have the judgment judgmental thoughts that go along with it just say that's not my type pass you know that's okay exactly Exactly. you don't have to get judgmental about it we don't do that in a restaurant on a menu right you know so why would you do that i mean effectively that's what a dating app is it's like exactly why would you do it you know what's going on so it's having that awareness and that's so so important and it's hard because it's asking us to think and have some metacognition to our own behaviors but it makes it it makes other people feel better it makes you feel better when you're actually doing that and you're trying to have empathy with other people mm-hmm. all right so we solved all the empathy problems of the world in 30 minutes or less so <laughs> oh if uh, one conversation at a time is how if I we could honestly well no it is one conversation at a time and i'm so glad we got to have this conversation man so best place for people to catch you is at the five steps to empathy.com right uh, and folks number, that's the number five that is the number you. five number five steps to empathy.com yeah, yeah, um yeah. for sure lots of information there you can also find me on instagram empathy activist as well as linkedin rob volpe um and i'm on peloton as well if you want to give me a high five i'm empathy all activist right there. cool i will i will find you there i'm on peloton awesome. actually i'm going to be doing a peloton yoga exercise very soon so oh uh, awesome yeah yeah i'm doing the the new year 30 day yoga challenge and who's your do you have a favorite instructor yeah no because i I just barely got into it so um, i have favorite instructors on the bike oh yes oh yes i have (laughs) don't you tell the german Mm. oh matt is that his name Uh, i think it's matt and then i love bradley bradley is one of my favorites the english he's yeah bradley rose he's yes he's amazing and has an amazing story i am a christine dercole like diehard um she's she does it for me she's awesome But they're all, they all, it's amazing. They all offer something different. Yes, everybody. they do. They do. So, well, Rob, I'm so glad we connected. Thank you for taking time out of your day and your schedule and putting your book out in the world and leading how you're leading. Um, I hope everybody takes a little bit of empathy is not, as you said, it's not hard. It can be difficult to practice it, but um, it can be achievable. And it comes to, for me, it comes down to, how do I want to diminish my own stress in myself? One of the best ways is be empathetic towards others. Because as yeah. soon as you turn that little dial on, your stress level comes down. You don't have to agree with someone, but get to understand them. And you probably still won't see things quite their way, but okay, now at least I get it. And so. the next time you have an interaction with them, you will be further along in your relationship. Yeah. So it won't have, you've, you'll have cleared a hurdle. Basically. Well, thank you again. And for anybody who's listening, 
If you send me an email to rick at rickclemens.com, the first person who sends me that email, I will send you a copy of Rob's book as my gift to say thank you for listening to the podcast and supporting yet another amazing author out there in the world. So um, send me that email, folks, and look forward to giving your goods away. I know that sounds really bad. I'm going to give Rob's goods away. Mm. But, um, <laughs> anyway, thank you again, sir, for being here. Rick, thank so you. So glad this we got to connect great. and um, really enjoyed the conversation. Me too. Thank you so much. That's a wrap for 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where the conversations continue.